Hello and welcome to Giant Mess, a sloppy sports and entertainment talk show about the New York Giants, the New York Mets, movies, TV, comedy, and a whole lot more. I'm your host, Neil Lynch, a real cinch, and I am a giant mess. On today's episode, we're going to talk about why I had to go to the Urgent Care Center, my thoughts on Super Bowl 54, Gemini Man starring Will Smith, Zombieland Double Tap starring Woody Harrelson, Emma Stone, Jesse Eisenberg, and the other one, (laughs) Parasite, the movie of the year in my opinion. I'll give you my review, spoiler alert, directed by Bong Joon-ho, definitely mispronouncing that. So let's get started. Last time I spoke to you was January 27th. Today is, as I record this, it's Wednesday, February 5th, 10 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Lots happened since the last time I talked to you. I had to go to the urgent care center. Why did I have to go to the Urgent Care Center? Thank you for asking. It was not pretty. <laughs> Basically thought I was going to die. And if I wasn't going to die, I, I thought, uh, it's possible that I have a very serious health condition that is seriously going to impact my life and change my life forever. I'm getting to that age now. I'm almost 40. Almost over the hill. And the other side of the hill, it does not look pretty. It's all, it is all downhill from there. So what happened? Friday, I had a miserable day at work to the point where uh, I had to stop working because I basically had impaired vision, um, my inability to sleep, my caffeine addiction. I was losing vision in my right eye, headaches, exhaustion, fatigue. Uh, the whole nine. The, the very definition of burnt out. And so I, my boss courteously gave me the, the rest of the day off, said, you know what? That'll do, pig. And I said, oink, oink. Thank you so much, boss. And I tried to take a nap, but the 18 cups of coffee that were running through my veins did not allow that, for that to happen. All I could think about was what was going on at work, what would happen at work, moving forward, work, 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 work. Got Rihanna's song pumping through my brain, blasting the bass and my cerebellum. And I, w- I tried to nap for like two hours, couldn't do it. Shut my eyes, focused on my breathing, which that works for about five milliseconds. It's like in, out, in, okay, why am I not relaxed, you know? <laughs> Probably has to do with the coffee. I ingested too much coffee. Don't, and you don't even realize the effects that coffee have on you when you're drinking it. You're like, this is normal. This isn't a drug. Caffeine, it's just a little pick-me-up. It's just some energy coursing through my veins. There's nothing I should be worried about. There, no. You got to pump the brakes on the coffee sometimes. Some people can drink it, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it's just the right amount for them, their body responds positively to it. Chris D'Elia, in my mind, he has coffee and he goes into game mode, game face, in the zone, everything's right where it needs to be. Not with this guy. 
I drink one cup of coffee and I start thinking some weird thoughts. And then I drink another cup of coffee and it's like, I got to say those thoughts immediately. I got to email. I got to, I got to let these thoughts out of my brain before it eats me from the inside out. And I think that's what I did. You start working hard, you start working late, you come home late, you eat late and you don't sleep well. You try and compensate with coffee, 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 coffee. And you think, I can do this. I'm an adult. I'm a grown man. I can handle coffee. Hell, I can drink a 30-pack by myself of beer. I can down a handle of booze, vodka. I might black out, but I, you know, I can handle that. I've handled so much in my life. Why can't I just handle three cups of coffee? Three ginormous cups of coffee. And uh, no, I can't. So I got I to gotta press pause on coffee for a little bit. And I got I'm making the switch to tea, green tea, because at least, you know, it gives you just the right amount of energy. You're still a little sedated. You're not, re- you're a little relaxed, but you're focused and alert. That's all you need. Can't be tweaking. I was tweaking like tweak from South Park. So I say that because I skipped lunch. Lunch just missed the memo on lunch, missed the train, missed the boat on lunch. So then, Go to pick up my daughter with my wife from the daycare. We come back. She's like, all right, I'll, I'll make dinner. And I love my wife. <laughs> and we all know where this is headed. Criticism time. Anytime you say you love your wife, it's like, in here comes the hammer. She's not adept in the kitchen when it comes to cooking. Okay. I think she, once in a while, she'll take her shots. She'll whip something up once in a blue moon and it's and it's always delicious but on a consistent basis if you're looking for like a in the starting rotation you know day in day out kind of cook no not her she calls herself the microwave mama and uh, it's a beautiful nickname apt very fitting so she brings out this like trader joe's chinese chicken chow mein I think it's Trader Ming, which if you don't know, there's a stand-up comedian. And of course, you know, when I start talking to the camera and I start talking to this microphone, every name I've ever remembered just flies away into the into the into the horizon. And then when as soon as I put the mic down and I turn the camera off, the name comes flying back. Oh yeah, it's that guy. Kyle. Nope, can't remember it. He's the voice of Comedy Central. He's the voiceover guy for Comedy Central. He has a bunch of stand-up specials. They're all hilarious. His first name is Kyle. That's all you need to know. He has an amazing bit about Trader Joe's and how they have uh, they have like uh, any Chinese food sold at Trader Joe's is Trader Ming's. And any Italian food sold at Trader Joe's is Trader Giatto. So she brought up the Trader Ming's frozen Chinese chow mein. And uh, she also brought out some fish sticks. Hmm, okay. Frozen fish sticks and frozen Trader Ming's Chinese chow mein. This is a winning combination. No way can anything go wrong with that. So she warms it up. The Trader Ming's Chinese chow mein is good. The fish sticks, that's a hard pass. I think there were probably a dozen 
that were on the plate, I had maybe one and a half and I called it quits, which if you know me, you're familiar with my behavior, my, uh, my way of life. I'm a member of the CPC clean plate club. Okay. I see a plate and if it's covered with food, I got to uncover it. And there's only one way I know how to do that. Putting it down in my gullet. So, uh, for me not to finish a meal, something's wrong with that meal (laughs) or I'm on my fifth plate. And my belly is like, ah, tap out, uncle. You got me. You're like, you know, you're like Ronda Rousey. And my stomach is like uh, every other every other female UFC fighter from 2011 to 2009. And you got me in the strong arm hold. So uh, didn't finish the fish sticks. Tried to even put some like Chick-fil-A sauce on them motherfuckers. Did not work. Just masked the taste and then the taste eventually gets through to your tongue and your taste buds are like, ah, nice try, bro. <laughs> no, I don't think so, bro. No, 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 bro. We know exactly what's happening here. Try to Trojan horse us, motherfucker. I'll kill you. And uh, my body got its revenge. It did because I may, I had a couple glasses of wine, you know, try and uh, decompress because that, and that's how the cycle, this burnout cycle just it gets exacerbated and just gets worse. It's a snowball effect, right? You burn out. You're not getting sleep. You compensate with coffee, too much coffee, and then you're too wired, too worked up. And now, end of the day, you're trying to come back down, get back down to earth. So you have a couple glasses of wine, and then you have a couple monster cups of vodka sodas. Vodka sodas. Teats and sodas, we call them. And I watched Parasite, directed by Bong Joon-ho. Probably mispronouncing that for sure. He's directed, uh, he's written, directed like The Host, which is something in my Netflix queue, has been in my Netflix queue for ages. Um, and a whole bunch of other good movies. I'll get to it later, but great movie, phenomenal movie. I mean, within the first two to five minutes, I'm like, yep, this movie is everything that I've ever hoped for way beyond my expectations and it's tough because you see 90 90 plus percent across the way in Rotten Tomatoes and you're like "Uh, I don't know if I don't like this like is something wrong with me do I need to take a hard look in the mirror I mean I do regardless but it, it met and surpassed all expectations loved it full review coming later in the show so I have a couple of vodka sodas and I feel like, all right, I'm a little bit calmer now. I watched a, a very fulfilling movie, um, a little disturbing towards the end, but I'm in a, I should be in a good place. And I went to bed. I don't know what time it was when I woke up, but I don't think my brain woke me up. I think my my stomach and my esophagus woke me up. They're like, hey, whoa, whoa, we got to go to the bathroom. And I, I had like weird rumbling in my stomach. And it was like, whoa. And you, you, you have that like, uh, like the temperatures rising in your thermometer. Like you could see the mercury just going up my esophagus. And there was volcanic lava coming up that pipe. So I run into the bathroom. So I, I, I didn't run to the bathroom. I just, I was like, oh man, something's off. So I go into the bathroom and I'm like, oh man, I also have to poo the number two deuce it up. 
take take a seat on the throne, the porcelain throne. And as I'm going, I'm like, whoa, okay. This this lava, this heartburn that I'm feeling is more than heartburn. This is a my heart is aflame. My heart is engulfed in flames. It's not burning. It's an it's it's an inferno. I a heart inferno going on right now. Heart incineration is more like it. So I had to get off the toilet as I'm pooing and just projectile vomit. Not in the toilet because I just deuced there. I'm not gonna then turn around, stick my face in the <laughs> in that in that environment and then release the the beast, release the dragons, release the kraken. Can't do it. I just I'm not in that kind of frame of mind, but I have the wherewithal to puke in the sink. Now our sinks are weirdly shaped. I will say that. They're not like not a deep basin sink in the bathroom. They're very sloped, like a like a bunny slope, you know, where the kitties, the toddler ski and me and just vomit a lot of liquid. And then as soon as I'm done vomiting, I vomit again. As soon as I'm done vomiting, vomit again. As soon as I'm vomit, vomit, vomit. I mean, five to six, back to back to back to back to back. Projectile vomits. And it was pink. Pinkish, reddish, purplish. Not the kind of color you want to see. And I'm trying to think to myself, whoa, did I, did I have Pepto-Bismol before I went to bed? What, why is this this color? I'm not used to this kind of color coming out, out, my, out my mouth. And, uh, and then I got super lightheaded, super dizzy, super faint. And I thought, wow, okay, so am I like, is this dying? Is this what, had, what dying feels like? If so, whoa. It's, it, it was a feeling that I have, either haven't had in a long time and I've just completely forgotten what this feels like. Or, or this is a completely unique feeling, which in almost 40 years of my life, I've never felt before. That cannot be good. You know, haven't done mushrooms, haven't done acid. Is this what this feels like? Is that what this feels like? So I, I slowly shuffle to the bedroom and I kind of faintly just call out my wife's name. And then I just kind of collapse on the floor, belly first, face down. And she's like, obviously pops up and is concerned, is trying to figure out what's going on. And I was just like, I just, I, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Blah, blah, blah. And so I just had to lay there for a second to like regain composure. Finally, I slowly got up and then, you know, took a sip of water and then went back to bed. It was like, I guess that was weird. I don't know what that was all about, but uh, I'm glad it's over. Went back to sleep. And then this time, uh, my stomach and esophagus like strong armed me into the bathroom. They're like, before they did a little tap, 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 excuse me, sir. I believe you should visit the court, the, the lavatory. This one was like, get your motherfucking ass up and get in the bathroom, get in the shitter. And I, I had to rush. I, I, this is one of two or I've done it two or three times, but one of, Three times where I've I've successfully held the vomit in my mouth. <laughs> That's how bad it was. Where I vomit, I vomit, but I catch it in my mouth. So it's like done it twice before, both in public settings at bars, 
and it worked out to my advantage. I'll just say that this time uh, was not able to eventually uh, was not able to win this battle. I lost this battle. And uh, and so my sink, we have a his, his and her sink. I know whatever. Say what you will. Don't care. So the first time my sink is next to the toilet. So I got my sink is filled to the brim with projectile vomit because for some reason our sinks, even though this is a new house, the the plumbing here, along with a lot of other things at this fucking house, stink. It sucks. And it, constantly getting clogged so my sink is is filled to the rim with (laughs) pink purple red vomit and uh it's not going down and so i i can't even make it to the toilet this time i just barf in my wife's sink so now both of our sinks and the same as before one two three four five six oh i don't even make a noise and i I don't i know this might be weird you know when you hear people tell barf stories or vomit stories or whatever. It's always like the people, people make noises like, and they make loud audible noises. I don't know what is going on with me or my body or why I'm this way, or maybe there are more like me out there, but I don't make a peep when I vomit. I can come out of the bathroom, go in vomit like I did for like all the liquid out of me, all of it, all of it, every single last drop out of my body not make a single sound i could come back my wife's like oh do you number one or number two and i'm like number eight on the scale right there so people just people just can't tell i just don't make any sound all you hear is a little the little little gust of wind or just like it sounds like someone just dumped a bucket of water into the bathtub doesn't doesn't sound bad at all it was bad though when 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 you're like, wow, I mean, I had all that come out of me, and now I have all this come out of me. What is left? And the same thing happened. Got lightheaded, dizzy, faint. Not as bad as the first time, but I was like, oh, I'm a I'm a pro at this now. I'm a vet, grizzled to my very core, just because I've been through this before. So I know, I guess, uh, probably not dying, but this is very unsettling. <laughs> this is a major red flag. And of course, it was red, pink purple again and i was like is this blood are there streaks of blood so rough friday night and then saturday i was supposed to go meet up with some buddies from college for lunch and uh you know my best man at my wedding i was the best man at his wedding he's in town from he was in town from austin texas austin massachusetts and you know he doesn't he doesn't make it this way very often maybe four times a year if that and it's uh, i was like I, I i'm sorry but uh you know i woke up and i felt just as awful hor- hor- just bad and and first thing i do is go on the phone and now i'm like looking and this is this is what happens something bad happens you feel a certain way and you try to describe it to google and google's like and you know every comedian on the face of the planet has done this bit, but it's fucking true, and that's why they do it. Because it's either like you're on the brink of death, call, go to the emergency room, or it's nothing. It's totally normal. There's no, it, it it's never. You never get closure looking at shit online when it comes to medical problems, health problems at all. 
it's like, well, it could, uh, it could be, could be nothing, or it could be everything. It's like, all right. So, given the fact that I've had such a stressful week at work, a stressful month at work, a stressful career at work, my whole tenure at work has been stressful, overwhelmed since day one. I'm losing vision in my right eye, headaches, blurred vision, fatigue, exhaustion, stress. I'm like, hmm, okay. And what have I been doing? Well, let's do a rewind back to the previous shows that I've done. What have I said to you guys? That I went on a diet before the wedding that was a week before Thanksgiving, and since then I have done nothing but treat my body like a doo-doo. Just putting bad things in my body. S the snow globe. <laughs> putting a Viking in, in a vodka soda and watching it, the snow fall like a snow globe. Uh, that was like one of the things. Hey, if you abuse painkillers, it might lead to this. Okay, yeah, I have done that. Oh, are you eating a lot of fried foods? I have nothing but fried foods, Google, and nothing but fried foods, WebMD and Healthline and all these other <sighs> websites that just make you panic. Oh, drinking alcohol a lot? Uh, yeah, dude. Trying to forget. Trying to <laughs> mask my problems. Uh, a lot of caffeine? Uh, you betcha. It's, it's basically every single thing they were like, do not put in your body or else this will happen. I did it. So if you were a doctor listening to these episodes, you were like, I mean, this guy is a prime candidate. It's going to happen. So when I reveal to you what I thought I had, if you're a doctor, you're going to be like, yeah, duh. Yeah, we listen to you. We understand you're, everything you're saying is leading to this. We could have called it from uh, day one. So I thought I had an ulcer. I thought I had a bleeding ulcer in my stomach for real because my stomach was still messed up on Saturday morning. Um, and I was like, I don't, I'm afraid to eat. I'm afraid to drink water. I don't, I don't know what to do at this point, but I'm feeling very weak and I need something. And I, and I need to figure out if this is an ulcer. Cause if, if this is an ulcer, I, I, you know, nothing good comes from impulsive actions, but like, I gotta take a stance at some point. So I, I I go to the urgent care center instead of lunch with my buddies because like you know I could uh, yeah I guess I could have sucked it up and gone to lunch with my buddies knowing I have a bleeding ulcer and just had water and bread and been miserable and have them poke fun at me for two hours and it's like uh, you know uh, I I uh, hey I've been the punching bag for so long you know I know the routine I get it not my first rodeo so but I was like I I I needed because if this is the case major lifestyle changes have to happen and, and that might involve work like just changing work just it's bad for my health so uh i went to the urgent care center tried to explain it to the the front desk lady uh in a way that wasn't graphic or disgusting which is tough because she looks at you like there's more isn't there you're like, uh, well, my stomach was upset. And they're like, uh-huh, but that's not why you're here because this is an urgent care center and you wouldn't be here if you just had an upset tummy. And so then you have to be like, and, you know, I had to go to the bathroom and she's just sitting there like, mm-hmm, and? And I'm like, and I project that I vomited everywhere. I mean, what the fuck do you want me to say, lady? Can I just see a doctor? <sighs> 
And you, you know, like, I love how we all think that you go to a doctor's office and then everyone that works at the doctor's office that hears about your disgusting ailments and illnesses and sicknesses isn't talking about that shit to everyone when they get off work. I like how we all just like, we all just have so much trust in the, the front, like that administrative assistant, receptionist, secretary, whatever you want to call that person at the front desk, didn't take an oath. The doctor took a fucking oath. This motherfucker did not take an oath. The one who's greeting you at the front at the front desk. <laughs> that person is telling everyone about all your shit. So. <sighs> Finally get to see the doctor. And I'm like, uh, and I can tell right away, this guy, it's Saturday. And, uh. You know, he doesn't want to be anywhere near this office. <laughs> he probably took this maybe because he's going through a divorce and he's like, he's got to make up the extra money for alimony or I don't know what, but <clears throat> does not want to be there. Not even a little bit. And I could tell he's trying to rush me out the door. And I told him what happened. He's like, is it blood? I was like, I mean, I had Pepto, but... So that explains why it's pink, but I, there was like red peppers in this chicken chow mein thing. And I don't, yeah, I mean, there might have been blood. I don't know. But I did it, uh, you know, projectile vomited six times right in a row. And then again, six times right in a row. Uh, two hours of that I was late, lightheaded and faint and blah, blah. And he's just like, uh, food poisoning. I'm like, well, you know, it's, you sure it's not a stomach bug? He's like, nah, food poisoning. Like, you, do you feel bad now? I was like, no. And he's like, he touched me in a couple places. I know that sounds, uh, in the me too era, that sounds like I should press charges. No, nope. he, he was very professional. He just would press down on my stomach in certain areas. And, uh, it, does that hurt? No. Does that hurt? No. Does that hurt? No. All right. Lay down, pick up your foot, pick up your leg, bend your leg. I'm going to press here. Does that hurt? No. And he's like, I mean, super quick in and out. I was in and out in like five, 10 minutes, but He's like, well, if you had an ulcer or an appendicitis, you would be punching me in the face and kicking me in the balls if I if I pressed down on your stomach in those areas. I was like, okay, so I don't have an ulcer. Thank God. Very relieved. Very relieved after that. But, I mean, what a turn of events. What, I mean, you know, from uh, Friday just having a mental breakdown being just exhausted to the point where I just cannot like look at a computer. I can't look at a screen anymore. Like I just have to disconnect to food poisoning to thinking it's an ulcer to, you know, now I'm like got that brat diet going on bananas, rice, applesauce, toast, the brat diet. Um, which actually is not that bad if you combine all of them. Like, don't do those separately. You know, peel the banana, mush it up, mix it with the rice and the applesauce, put it on some bread. You got like a, a nice banana rice applesauce sandwich. <laughs> That's actually, I might go for one after this show. Um, but yeah, Saturday, I'm just out of commission. Sleeping, hurting, ailing. And then I drank down to like a huge bottle of Pedialyte, down to kombucha, which I I wasn't, I, I got to be honest, my wife introduced me to kombucha in like 2016 and uh, I wasn't feeling it. I was like, oh, what is this shit? This is overhyped. 
this is just like soda mixed with tea like what is this like whatever and no i'm, I'm on board the kombucha train now yeah all aboard coffee took a coffee stock plummeted this is the coffee crash of 2020 it is bad news for coffee tea kombucha on the up and up just like barstool sports on the up and up after getting acquired by Penn national gaming you know what and this is this is the other thing that i love about uh commercials right so uh, this is like a horrible segue but the turns out i'm i'm okay now and I, uh, the thing i was most concerned about and even the doctor said this in the urgent care center He's like, yeah, you're going to have to do the brat diet for like 24 to 48 hours. So, which stinks because I know the Super Bowl is tomorrow. And I was just like, you motherfucker. And uh, lo and behold, thank Jesus, um, I was able to get my shit under control enough to order like a nice hoagie and some wings, mild wings for the Super Bowl. I was like, I can't watch the Super Bowl and have the brat diet. That's just not how that works. I need to stuff my gullet. I need to feel like a fucking pig watching this game. And, uh, you know, but when I, when I ordered the hoagie, it's like now, now I've, I've really, I've really taken, uh, you know, stock of what I'm putting into my body. And I know that's insane to say at age 39, but it's like, you know, when ordering the hoagie, I was like, custom, make your own, create your own. And I was like, I picked all the shit that they say you can eat with an ulcer. And I was like, I know I don't have an ulcer, but I'm going to act like I have a fucking ulcer so I don't get an ulcer. So no more tomatoes. I'm on that Tom Brady TB12 diet. Modified slightly, but no tomatoes. Fuck tomatoes. I mean, I, you know, I ate tomatoes. I love salsa. Um marinara sauce i love it i love it all but i can i can do without it i really can i mean it's not it's not one of those do or die things so tomatoes are out onions are on the fence and onions have been my boy for a long time now but i got shredded lettuce mayo honey mustard black olives pickles turkey even cheese is a little iffy right now and then you get the scooped out bread you got scooped up bread wheat bread whole wheat bread preferably because that's what's that's what's got to happen so i was able to and then now the wings i can't go atomic anymore those days are done you know and i think i proved my point to a lot of people you know it's like how many people you got to prove your point to i probably should have video like recorded it for for uh my legacy but uh you know for posterity i guess the word is but i've i've eaten some shit an entire ball of wasabi, boom, done. Got that, got that going. The de the devil's hot sauce, like a thousand million Scoville, whatever the fuck it is. I've done that. I've done my part, okay. <sighs> so I don't need to prove myself anymore when it comes to eating spicy foods or outrageous foods. It's like, uh, you know what? That's let let the younger generation take over. Let me pass the torch. Let me be a mentor and a coach to those who want to ingest the most deadliest, scariest foods. I'm over it. I'm, it's now preservation time. I'm trying to extend my life, not shorten it. Because your 20s, my 20, like my late teens into my 20s and early 30s, it was just like, you know, say yes. I was the yes man. But from now on, it's a, 
No more spice in my life. <laughs> variety is the spice of life. Great. No more variety for me. Not even reading Variety magazine. Not even visiting Variety.com. That's what. That's the severity of what's going on now. But yeah, so Penn National Gaming. They invest in, uh, in Barstool Sports. So Barstool Sports, uh, they're, I guess they're a minority owner, something like that. Big time investment. And uh, so Barstool is essentially public now. And you can buy stock in Penn National Game Gaming, which owns a whole bunch of casinos nationwide and is going to probably open a Barstool, use the Barstool Sports license, license the Barstool Sports logo to do, you know, merchandise and venues, pizza places and bars and casinos, which is like exactly what they need to do because I would be down to support that. They're like, you can buy stock now. And so I immediately remember from not only part of my taking in Crystalia that the cash app allows you to buy portions of stocks. So you don't have to buy one full stock. You can buy a quarter of a stock, a tenth of a stock, whatever, you know, your budget allows. And uh, the stock was at like 26 or 28 a share or something like that. And I was like, <clears throat> I'm, I'm going get to get, get in on the early train go on the cash app, go to the investing tab. And like, and, and I'm not seeing like, I search for Penn national gaming. It's not coming up. I search for P E N P E N N, which is this, the ticker, the symbol not coming up. And, and I'm like, oh, oh my God, what is going on here? <clears throat> I'm like going through all the FAQ sections, the help sections, whatever. I'm not finding any answers whatsoever. And then eventually I just, I did, I, I, you know, cry uncle and I'm, I contact support and I'm like, Hey, like I'm trying to invest in the, in the stock and before it takes off and, uh, there's no way for me to do this. And he's like, Oh, go to here, tap this, click your profile, cut on a here. And I did all that. And it's like, I took screenshots. I'm like, bro, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. There's nothing here. And so eventually he's like, Oh, you need to send me this, 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 and this. And I was just like, ah, fuck this. This is just too much work. <laughs> I know I could be a millionaire by getting in on the ground floor, but come on. Like, I don't, I'm not going to send all this bullshit to you. I don't even know you. So, all right. So last time we recorded the Grammys were happening. Um, and I think they ended up being very not highly rated. It was the same day that Kobe passed. So Alicia Keys opened the whole shebang with a tribute to Kobe. Um, and that, the only takeaway I have from the Grammys, it's not going to be a long review, I'll tell you that much, is Billie Eilish winning a bunch of awards, getting in front of a microphone, and I believe she's 19 now, maybe still 18. Uh, I think she might be 19 now. And saying the words, I've waited my whole life for this and i was just like oh my i mean she's not lying hashtag facts i mean she's telling the truth like i get it but come on lady you're 19 <laughs> i've waited two of you for something to happen and for me to catch a break even though you know uh it, it, mentally I've been waiting to catch a break when uh, like you look at my timeline and, and activity wise, like I haven't really done much to get that break. So it's like waiting to be discovered. Well, in order to be discovered, you need to do more shit. So, <laughs> uh, 
but I've waited two of her lifetimes and uh, not a, not a thing's come my way. So I just got to do more. That's the whole point of this show is like, I talked about it and thought about it for so long. And even like the barstool audition that I did the barstool sports audition, uh, I kind of thought it out. I maybe overthought it to a certain degree. And it's like, I should have just, if I have, you know, and this is what I'm learning. I don't have a good personality. My personality blows and I don't have talent. And it's a harsh realization to, to, to you just wake up one day and be like, oh, okay, I'm 39. I haven't done shit. Mm, probably not talented. Mm, probably don't have the personality to pull off uh, barstool sports. So I overthought the barstool sports audition and it was not good. And that was probably my, a lot of people's first impression of me because I, you know, I didn't really have a presence online before that you know i had some tweets here and there um i don't really stay up on instagram um so it's like i didn't have a big following so it's like this is their first impression of me and it fucking sucked and i like i said i don't make good first impressions so there's that and you know you realize you look back at that and you look back at like the people that barstool sports have hired and it's like yeah they're, they're personalities they either have a funny accent or they're just very dumb or they're, uh, you know, very cryptic or weird or creepy or just different, unique. And I'm not, I'm as vanilla and basic as they get, uh, the basicest of bros. So, uh, that dream has died pretty much. Um, still working on the screenplay script. I, I, <laughs> I say that, but I haven't touched it in months a lot of months probably since i started this job um so i'll probably i'll probably finish that in the year 25 25 if man is still alive um so that, that's the grammys <laughs> super bowl 54 super bowl 54 i mean you know everyone's had their takes so far it's fucking wednesday and you all get it together you need to get your takes out there quicker and faster and stronger if you want people to actually listen and follow you well, no, it's just uh, how life works sometimes. I won't spend a lot on a lot of time on this. Uh, could have been one of the greatest Super Bowls. I don't know about top 10 greatest. There have been 54. I would say this is in the top third. I think that's fair. Uh, I think if Jimmy Garoppolo hits that deep ball to, was it Emmanuel Sanders or Debo Samuel? Down the middle of the field, with like less than two minutes left in the game, if he hits that throw, the and they score a forty nine er score, and then you have Mahomes trying to make a comeback with a, a, around a minute and a half, ninety seconds left, then you got yourself a conversation about this being amongst the greatest Super Bowls of all time. But he missed the throw. Guess who made the throws? Motherfucker, Eli Manning. Yeah. In two Super Bowls, he made the throw. He made the throw to David Tyree, the helmet catch. And you can say that's lucky all you want. Fine, I don't give a fuck. It still takes talent and strength to hold on to a ball and pin it against your helmet while Rodney goddamn Harrison is trying to tear it away from you. That's eh, a little bit of luck and also a little bit of uh, talent. Um, also, the ability to Eli to escape the rush. Did it look pretty? No, but the fact that he got away from three or four very strong individuals with with like vice like grips, 
and he, they did not bring him down. Shout out Jared Lawrence and J-Load for helping Eli with that. And then in the Super Bowl 46, possibly a better throw than the helmet catch. Down the sideline to Mario Manningham. So if Manning misses those two throws, the Giants probably lose those two Super Bowls, and then you might maybe eh, have some kind of ammo for saying that Eli Manning is not a Hall of Famer. Maybe then you could say it. Jimmy Garoppolo, he didn't hit the throw. And now he's 28, 29, and now there's talk about the 49ers maybe moving on from him. <laughs> oh, brother. So everyone gets all fucking jazzed about uh, Jimmy G because he's handsome as hell, but he's no Eli Manning. <clears throat> Kind of surprised that Damian Williams didn't get the MVP. I mean, 100-plus rushing yards on 17 carries, pretty decent average. Uh, I think he had a touchdown on the ground, touchdown through the air, added another 30-some-odd yards in receiving, so uh, you know, 100 and, almost 150 total yards with two touchdowns. But they ended up giving to Mahomes, who becomes the youngest Super Bowl winning MVP since uh, Tom Brady did it way back when I was in college. Holy macaroni. Uh, people also talking about how Kyle Shanahan is now like a choke artist. I don't know about that. I think he's uh, his game plan, the way he schemes, uh, his run offense is something that the Giants should probably pay attention to because I think it's something that would suit Saquon well because... You know, I think there was a there was a stretch of the season in 2019 where Shermer was just like, "Oh, we're just gonna pound the rock, and we're gonna shove him directly up uh, John Helapio's ass." It's just like, "Ah, this is not working." You know, maybe get a little creative with your run game, and I think Kyle Shanahan does that, and I think Joe Judge and uh, Jason Garrett would be wise to kind of take that page out of the playbook, which y'all teams do after the super bowl it's like whoever wins they're like all right well that's the strategy we need to adopt in order to to compete so um very interested to see what jared jason garrett does with saquon bark barkley moving forward both quarterbacks struggled in this game mahomes did not look good for like three quarters making some very bad decisions not sliding getting clocked fumbling and uh, you know almost costing his team points uh down inside the red zone down inside the 10 um jimmy garoppolo did not look great made some pretty bad throws so you know i would say if both quarterbacks played well and it was and it still had the same kind of scoring and jimmy g hits that play at the end, pass at the end, then I think you're looking at top 10. But with both quarterbacks struggling and uh, and then that late score to make it a 31-20, you know, on the box score or on the papers, it, it does not look as close as it really was. I mean, it was 20 to goddamn 10 with like less than eight minutes left in the frigging game. And it was and it ended up being 31-20. I mean, that's astounding. The Chiefs, dude, all postseason – all postseason looking like they were dead you see that that flood that wave of tweets from everyone declaring you know uh you know etching their tombstone and ain't talking about frozen pizza and uh nope 
just comeback kids undertaker gif for life and not just not just coming back and winning but winning with authority like <laughs> turning a blowout loss into a comeback from behind blowout win multiple times just shows you the power that uh of that offense especially when with mahomes hill Tyreek Hill, who it's just like such a threat to go deep. And so the the defenses play so soft on him because they don't want him to to torch them. And all he does is just he runs as fast as he can and make it look like it's a vert. And then whoop, stops and comes right back and boop, the ball's right there. And it's automatic 17 yards every time. Oh, man. Why didn't we fucking do that with uh, OBJ? Oh, yeah, because we don't have a fucking offensive line that can protect Eli or Daniel Jones so uh i did on super bowl sunday because the game doesn't start till 6 or 6 30 so i just decided i'm i'm i get in the and this has happened a lot lately because the giants have stunk lately but like when the giants don't make the playoffs and i don't get to watch them in the playoffs i just end up watching their playoff games from years of yore from yesteryear and i decided to <clears throat> i decided to pop on the on youtube tv or youtube oh youtube um the super bowl 25 jeff hostetler bill parcells scott norwood wide right i decided to watch that because i was like you know what i haven't really i don't think i've ever watched this as like a grown-ass man for for whatever reason and you know i actually do know the reason i shouldn't say for whatever reason i know the reason huge phil sims guy huge phil sims guy I love Phil Sims. Wish he was my dad. Wish I had two dads, my real dad, and then Phil Sims. And uh, fell in love with Phil Sims in like probably 85, 86, and then went to the Super Bowl and won. He was pretty much perfect, flawless. One of the first, he was the first Super Bowl MVP to go to Disneyland, Disney World, whatever. Uh, and then that 90s season was tough. We were living in, <clears throat> we were living in Massachusetts. To start the season, Westwood, Massachusetts, uh, near Dedham, Massachusetts, near Boston, Massachusetts. It's actually where the Hasselbecks are from, Matt and Tim. They were older, but I would imagine I probably would have crossed paths with them because I played football in Westwood. But regardless, Sims started off that season hot. The team was hot. One of the best defenses the Giants have ever had. I think that 90 defense was actually better than the 86 defense. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong about that. It's either 1-2 or 2-1. Uh, and Giants get off to a real nice start. 10-0, and 0, I believe. And then they ended up going, I think, 11-2. They played the Bills at Giants Stadium. I think I might have been... I was either at the game or I definitely was watching on TV. And that was the game that Phil Sims went down with the injury he did not look good and of course he he ended up missing the rest of the regular season and the postseason and the super bowl um and in comes jeff hosteller and i was like and, and part of me and this is how weird my 10 year old brain was at the time no, fresh 10 it was a new 10 because i turned 10 in november so you know i, I you have your favorite player go down to injury you don't want the guy replacing him and this is where you can't, you're just not socially mature enough to be like, I'm going to put my allegiance to Phil Sims aside and root for Jeff Hostetler so that we as a team can go to the Super Bowl and win. 
that was very conflicting for me at that age. Where now it's like, uh, dude, I would have loved, you know, for that to happen. Um, so Hosteller comes in. I think they end up losing that game to the Bills, but then he wins the next two, so they go 13-3, and three, and then he obviously makes the run to the playoffs. And I'll tell you what, dude. And this is why uh, my point is I haven't watched Super Bowl twenty five at all for a very long time, probably since it happened. You know, you watch like the highlights, you know, because the NFL Network or ESPN or whoever, they just run marathons of Super Bowl highlights. But I want to watch the actual full length game, whole game, complete game to see what happened. I remember I watched like Super Bowl twenty one a while ago, maybe on VHS when I was like in college just to like relive that. So uh, that'd be interesting to watch now where it's like it's not on like a shitty VHS. It's actually digitalized. So I, I watched Super Bowl 25 and uh, very amazed by a lot of things. But one of the things would be the toughness and the grit and the ability to bounce back and the resilience of Jeff Hostetler. Hats off, kudos, pat on the ass, Jeff Hostetler. Haas. I don't know why I didn't fully get on board that that bandwagon. I don't know. I don't. I, my 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 love for Phil Sims just blinded me, and I could not fully appreciate Jeff Hostetler in the moment as it was happening. But looking back and watching this game as a fucking grown ass man, wow, dude, Jeff Hostetler. There was one point where he got clocked. And he got clocked a lot in that game. He got, I mean, he got hammered. Uh, I, I, I kind of cringe to think about what, I will say this. Phil Simms, not as mobile. Jeff Hosteller, very mobile. So his legs helped us win that Super Bowl because he would escape, scramble for a few yards here or there, avoid the sack, avoid a big loss, and make plays with his legs. But he was also getting smoked a bunch of times. One of the times, uh, I, I mean, there were a bunch of times where he just like was very slow to get off the turf, very slow to get up. And like, it looked like he was just really banged up. And I remember watching him on the sidelines. I think it might've been in the second quarter, something like that. And they are just like furiously waving, smelling salts under his nose. And I'm thinking to myself, now you watch enough football as an adult and you're like, that dude right there has a concussion. He is concussed. What are they doing? But it's 1990. There's no concussion protocol. There's no blue tent. There's none of that. And as a kid, you're just watching. I'm like, why is he smelling? Like, you don't, you don't fucking know. And as an adult, you're like, those are smelling salts. Jeff Hostelers seeing birds and stars right now. And then to think in today's NFL, would Jeff Hosteller not have been put in the back in the game? even though it happens from time to time, happened with Sterling Shepard. And you look at the guy that would have gone in for him, Matt Kavanaugh, dude. Matt Kavanaugh. I remember looking at that guy on the sideline now as an adult and being like, that's not a, that's not a professional quarterback. There's not, that's, that's, that's an extra in a movie about football. Like this is a football movie and that's an extra. You, they just needed a body and pads and they got Matt Kavanaugh. Good looking dude, but not a football player, not a starting quarterback. <laughs> what, how would the game turn out? Uh, if, if Jeff Hosteller did not suck it up and go back in the game. Now he was not great in that game. 
there were a lot of throws that he just did not make. He had Stephen Baker open a few times, Mark Ingram open a few times. Um, you know, he had guys open left and right. He missed Mark Bavaro a couple times. So, I mean, he was not accurate, but he made throws when they needed to count. You know, the throw to Stephen Baker in, in the sideline where Baker makes a great catch for the touchdown. Um, Mark Bavaro was like absentee tight end in the first half, almost no catches, and then he goes off for like five and five grabs in the second. Otis Anderson was like he's the MVP of this game. And this is one of those games where you think, oh, maybe like is it illegal to give a defender the MVP? But then who on defense are you gonna give it? Because it wasn't one guy on defense making a ton of plays. It was all eleven guys on defense playing to a scheme masterfully designed by Bill Belichick. The whole two down lineman, and we're gonna also throw LT at you, and then we're gonna drop eight dudes and you're gonna try and find open guys down the field, not gonna happen. You can throw cross shallow crossing routes to Andre Reed till your fucking cows come home and your head falls off. Um but it's just you're not gonna by the time you score, we're gonna run a, a, a goddamn ten minute drive that sucks the life out of you. Interesting though that Otis Anderson, OJ Anderson, is the MVP of this game. You as an adult, you as a kid, you don't realize how old players are or how young players are. You're just like Oh, I mean, he's on our team now. And I'm looking it up and I'm like, this is before free agency. And OJ Anderson had been on the team since 86. I completely forgot that he was a member of the 86 team. Completely forgot because he just didn't get any. I mean, he actually scored in Super Bowl 21, which I also forgot, but he did not get a lot of touches in 86 because we had Joe Morris. And he wasn't, OJ didn't become the starting running back until 89 when he was 33. He was 34 during Super Bowl 25. And he rattles off 21 carries for 109 yards and a, and a touch. Of course, the most memorable play is him coming around the left side and winding up and giving an uppercut to uh, the Bill safety, I guess Mark Kelso is his name, who had like that mushroom helmet. <laughs> which I guess is to prevent concussions or something. He might've been ahead of his time. Uh, but it did even watching the game. It's like OJ didn't have a very dominating performance. He had that one memorable run and then he kind of just chipped away here and there. He'd be stopped for two, he'd gain four, stop for three, gain three, gain, four, you know, it's not a, you know, it was like three yards and a cloud of dust, which is exactly what, um, you know, made that team so successful it didn't really you have to rely on the quarterback but then on third down you got it you got to make plays you got to get the first down the the pass to mark ingram i think it was like third and 18 third and 19 and it's a shallow crossing around to ingram and he just i mean i've never you uh, i don't think i've ever seen a catch and run as good as mark ingram in super bowl 25 i've seen a lot of football but he got stopped short of the first down should have been stopped short of the first down by like 10 yards. And he fought for 10, he fought for 10 yards, shook a dude spun, had a guy on his leg and was hopping toward the first down. I mean, like just unbelievable that super bowl. I will admit. Yes. Lucky as fuck. Cause I thought we definitely should have lost that super bowl. 
Which is which is nuts to think about because we dominated the ball ball control. It was like forty plus minutes of ball control, and uh, you know the the whole first half, the Deerdorf and Gifford and Michaels are talking about how the Giants can absolutely cannot get down seventeen to three because there's no they don't have the offensive firepower to quickly score a lot. They're the kind of team that will go nine minutes, drive six minutes, seven minutes, take it off the clock, and then kick a field goal. Or, you know, drive nine minutes to score a touchdown. So it would take them like a millennia just to score two touchdowns. So the fact that Hosteller was able to hold on to the ball when Bruce Smith, you know, grabbed his arm in the end zone and we only ended up with a safety, uh, giving up a safety versus giving up a touchdown. Huge. So that's another huge play by Hosteller. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean... I was praying, I was on, we had moved from Westwood, Massachusetts to Lenore, North Carolina, which is a suburb of Charlotte. Uh, we only lived there for like eight months, <laughs> which was crazy. Uh, but I was on my hands and knees in our, in our new home, uh, watching the Giants on our new, it might've been our new big screen TV, which, you know, it's, it is as deep as, it is wide <laughs> like a just big old cube um it's got a lot of it's got a lot it's a chonk tv it's got a lot of backside to it a lot of tubes and uh i remember being down i was not i'm not a religious person don't go to church but i was down on my hands and knees praying to god that scott Norwood would miss that kick and he did so you're welcome america you're welcome giants fans for my prayers saving our lives and that super bowl so that was luck for sure yeah because as soon as Thurman Thomas, so uh, this is another thing I want to bring up. If the, if you were allowed to give the MVP to a losing player, a player on a losing team, which I think sometimes they should do that. I feel like, because like who is most valuable to your team? It's not who's most valuable. It should be who's most valuable player to the winning team. I don't know. But if there were, if the Bills win, Thurman Thomas is the MVP for sure. For sure, he would have won it hands down. And uh, oof, tough loss. When Thurman Thomas got the handoff and ran to the thirty, I was like, "Game over, dude." I mean, the forty-seven yarder. This is a this is automatic. But then, what you had, what my ten-year-old brain and ears and mind did not was not able to process or consume or even be aware of was that I think Al Michaels or someone in the booth goes Scott Norwood. This is the longest field goal attempt for Scott Norwood on grass. And I should have known then this motherfucker. He's probably got the shakes. And of course he shanked it. By the way, the bills, uh, you know, going along the lines of what I was saying about MVP doesn't have to be from the winning team. I, I honestly, I'm so happy that we won the game. Give Thurman Thomas the MVP. I do not care that like one of our players didn't get it. Just give him the MVP. He deserves it. Along those lines, the Bills are a dynasty. I, I think I know it goes against everything that sports is about, but like the Buffalo Bills were a dynasty. They just were. I think I think we should be able. I think. I'm British now. Uh, I think that we should be allowed to say that, and it should be true. The Buffalo Bills were a dynasty. 
from 90 to 93, 94, whatever that, that stretch, that run four straight Super Bowls. I mean, one of the greatest teams, one of the greatest dynasties. Now they're at the bottom of that list of dynasties because they didn't win any, but they're, they should be mentioned amongst the list of dynasties. That should be, uh, for sure. It was fun to watch though. Um, so, and then I started to watch the 2011 NFC championship game, conference championship game, and I, I got interrupted, but, um, so the commercials, Super Bowl commercials for Super Bowl 54, this is tough because we didn't start the game right away on TV. We just didn't start it. We, my wife was putting the baby down. And so I had to delay starting the game. And then by the time it started, we were like 20 minutes late to it. And so I ended up fast forwarding, like even through the national anthem with Demi Lovato. So I don't even know how that sounded or how it was. I'm sure she killed it. I mean, I remember on the Grammys, she like had a false start on the Grammys. We had to push her back five. So I was like, uh, but it's like it's Demi. Like, are you really going to bust her chops? Like, she's a multi-platinum whatever artist. Like, good-looking, good vocals. Like, who cares? She's, she had a false start. That's not like her, that's not like her, her, like, big moment where it's like make or break. It's like, no, it's Demi Lovato. It's fine. Uh, So my my point is, like, the commercials, we just didn't, we were fast-forwarding through commercials. And that's what, that's what it is now. That's where we're at. We're at the age where you can, where you can record live broadcasts and you don't have to watch commercials. So why watch commercials? The only ones that really stood out to me, I guess, were the, were the ones people hated. Like the, I'm, I, you know, I guess you call it a guilty pleasure. Maybe not. I don't, I don't think so. The Post Malone commercial for Bud Light and Bud Light Seltzer. I liked it. You know, it was kind of weird at first, and you're watching it, and you're like, oh, this feels like a ripoff of Inside Out, that animated movie from, uh, I guess, Disney or Pixar with Amy Poehler and uh, Louis Black and all them, Minnie Kalen, maybe. Um, and you're like, oh, this feels like, uh, I don't know. And then just like, it, it just takes one line, one little moment to save it. And it's when he's like, he gets up out of the, and everything's like destroyed. And he's just like standing trying to wade through like this huge mound of like foodstuffs. And he's like, Hey, you got pretzels? Just like, all right. Well, it's simple, but effective. Got a little chuckle out of me. I don't know what to say. I guess because I'm post alone, post alone, post alone, post Malone stand. Um, the Rain Wilson, Little Caesars pizza commercial. Very simple yet effective. Like best things since sliced bread. Cut to the CEO of a sliced bread company trying to like come up with new ideas. It's Rain Wilson. Yeah, you can't go wrong with that. Ask Alexa. I was like, all right, we get it. Yeah, I understand. Blah blah. blah. But then the the one that the the what sealed it for me is when Ellen DeGeneres and Porsche Rossi are in the car and and uh, and Ellen DeGeneres is like, oh, I don't know. Alexa, play my play my favorite song and it's the same song as the guy blowing the jug uh on the on the the station wagon <laughs> i mean you know little things doesn't take a lot the baby peanut commercial blew 
that was awful. That stunk. I didn't really catch the Snickers commercial. Um, I think people didn't like the Tide commercial. I I applaud its ambitiousness, its ambition. The fact that they were able to pitch this to whomever at Fox and be like, we want to do this. It's an overarching storyline over the course of the Super Bowl. Charlie Day, can't go wrong with Charlie Day. And uh, Stevie from Schitt's Creek, who's like on the precipice of breaking out as a, a comedic actress, actor. Um, and them paired together, like that's a movie. That needs to be a movie. Like they have good chemistry and good talent and they're funny, like make that a movie. And the fact that Tide was able to turn this like one spot into like, we're now infiltrating like a Bud Light spot and we're in, we're involved in halftime and it all feels, it's not repetitive at all. It's all like very linear and serial. And, you know, I, I'm, I was impressed. I mean, you know, it, a lot of it wasn't like groundbreaking, you know, the content of it wasn't like that, like, uproariously funny but it was a great stunt and i love charlie day and i love the actress who plays stevie on schitt's creek so i think you know i think they nailed it even though people didn't like it whatever it's fucking tied like they're trying to like help you out with stains it's not like you know i don't know more fried foods Ugh. so yeah that's about it for the super bowl commercials the super bowl halftime show j-lo and shakira i don't know People are saying it was the hottest, sexiest halftime show in a long time. Uh, it's I don't know. J-Lo and Shakira are just not my type. It's not to say that they're not hot or sexy. J-Lo, uh, I mean, yeah, J-Lo can get it. Shakira, I, and I said this to my wife, I have an irrational, irrational, weird disdain contempt resentment hatred for shakira completely undeserved she doesn't deserve it i i know she's a very talented woman with uh you know a lot of hit songs uh attractive to some people i just i, I don't know there's something that cannot connect in my brain with her i just it's just for whatever reason i just it's just not for me it, it just doesn't work. I don't know. It does not compute. <laughs> like, not compatible. I don't get it. I, it's weird. It's, it's like one of the weirdest things about me. And I have a lot of weird shit in my closet, but that's got to be at the top. My, my disaffection, if that's a word for Shakira. I think it's because hips don't lie blew up right when I was, uh, broke up with my girlfriend and I had to see her every single time out at the bar with our group of friends and that fucking song was like number one on the charts and it just played all the goddamn time and seeing my ex-girlfriend and hating my ex-girlfriend i think i that's it's probably that that's probably like associating my ex-girlfriend who i was having like i was just like so angry at all the time and then having sh the soundtrack to my hatred for my ex-girlfriend shakira hips don't lie and that's got to be it if i had to put a pin on it uh <laughs> but the tongue wag i mean like i knew as soon as it happened i was like that's a meme i mean that's gonna be you're gonna go on twitter and that's gonna be everywhere sure enough it was um they had like the little booty shake off at the end but i was thinking like uh j-lo is gonna be remembered as like a musician right not as an actress like her legacy is gonna be 
she's a musician and I'm trying to think of her songs and like her, uh, portfolio of songs, her discography, if you will. And, uh, there's only like one or two that I can really like get down to like on the floor, I think is one I'm real is probably another one. And maybe there's a third, maybe if I'm, if I'm a little tipsy and feeling myself and there's like a good crowd and like, you know, I don't know, I'm getting, I'm getting the green light, you know, to let my hair down. Then yeah. Okay. Maybe there's a third, but there's probably just two. And if I had to like really get, you know, strict with myself, there's one on the floor and get on the floor. Um, the Groundhog Day commercial. Just going back to commercials real quick. That was one I liked a lot. It's Bill Murray. Can't go wrong with Bill Murray. And I'm not one of those Bill Murray guys where it's like I'm, you know, that was a major part of the blogging game, blog life that I just I fucking hated. Was like anytime Bill Murray did something, anytime. Because I worked for Coed blogging there as a managing editor from 2010 to 2012. And it was like anything Bill Murray did. Anything. Picked his nose. Had a wedgie. Wore flip-flops in church. Kissed a bird. You know, it was just like anything. We had to blog about it. Anything. And it just got out of control. It's was like, dude, he's just a guy that just goes around doing random stuff. It's not... Like, we're not breaking the bank over here on these Bill Murray posts. <laughs> I love the guy. He's funny as fuck, but the Groundhog Day commercial was awesome, though. It's always good when you get people to reprise their roles, like, way later, like Ned or Ned Ryerson or whatever. That guy, Needle Nose Ned, uh, coming back and reprising his role is great. Um, so, yeah, I love that. Uh, Groundhog Day is such a great movie. Um, I actually, my, and I've said this before on the show, but bears repeating. I wrote a, my graduate school thesis on Super Bowl commercials. <laughs> it was like crunch time. And they were like, dude, you got, you got to pick something. Like the deadline is here. Pick a thesis topic. You have to pick a thesis. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I don't know, dude. I have no idea. So I picked Super Bowl commercials. I just blurted it out. And they're like, interesting. What's your thesis? And I was just like, uh, it's not worth it. <laughs> I think that my, I wrote 100 pages on Super Bowl commercials to say, you know, if it's not worth it. <laughs> Because I guess the Super Bowl spot now is like almost $6 million for a 30-second spot, like five-ish, north of five, less than $6 million for a 30-second spot. And uh, I wrote that thesis in 2000, the fall of 2003. Presented it in December of 2003. And uh, my takeaway was, uh, well, you know, I basically looked at the the top Super Bowl commercials from a creative standpoint um, and looked at what made them have such great impact and why they're remembered as some of the greatest commercials of all time, why we still remember them today. The, you know, Apple's 1984 commercial where the chick is running to the screen and tosses the thing into the screen and blows it up. And that was like the first commercial for Apple or the Mac or something like that. Um, like, 
yeah, that's worth it because you put the creative genius behind it. You came up with a novel idea, concept that caught the attention of, you know, at the time, I don't know how many people watch it, maybe like 40 million, 50 million. You know, this recent one was 90 or 100 million people were watching it. But back then, 84, probably like 40 or 50 million. But like to this day, people still remember it and, and bring it up. So obviously it, it, it had a profound impact. But it was like, basically, don't bring the funk on a nasty dunk, you know? Don't fake the funk on a nasty dunk. It's like, if you're going to put up this money to buy the spot, you can't just buy the spot and be like, all right, all done there. Did our job. People are going to remember us forever. No, you still have to have the idea and the concept and pull it off. And uh, and so that's where I referenced more recently at the time the uh, dot-com bubble and bust where there was like the 99 Super Bowl and the 2000 Super Bowl maybe, and even maybe the 2001 Super Bowl. It was 99, 2000 for sure, um, where you had so many dot-coms, so many dot-coms that you just were like, what, what? The one commercial, I forget exactly what it was, but it was just like a blue screen for like 30 seconds, and then white text appeared on it, and it was like, caboodle.com. And you're just like... I'm not going there. Fuck that. <laughs> what was that? Uh, what? Because <laughs> uh, like, okay, you say you go visit caboodle.com and it's just like, and it's a website for like car insurance and it's a shitty website. Then you're like, well, what? You, oh boy. So uh, basically like, well, you need a, you need great creative campaign. Um, celebrities help for sure. That's like celebrities, animals, babies, humor shock value were like the big things that always kind of stuck out that, uh, but now you're getting to a point where everyone's seen these same formula for a Super Bowl commercial year after year after year that it's lost its luster, you know, like the little Nas X commercial, uh, for Doritos, I think. Yeah. With Sam Elliott. And they're like, you know, it's like a duel and the wild old West wild West. And, Lil Nas X, it's like a dance battle instead of guns. And so like Lil Nas X is breaking it down. And then Sam Elliott is, is an older gentleman who definitely cannot dance. Um, and you can tell like, okay, well they obviously got like some younger guy to do these dance moves and they just like plastered Sam Elliott's face on him crudely. And you're like, uh, this is, you know, this is, this feels like a 1994 Super Bowl commercial. Like someone did not get the memo that they needed to update what they're doing. Like the Rick and Morty Pringles commercial, Rick and Morty, very popular animated show, a show that I like that is very popular. And they performed the commercial in the Rick and Morty style. They didn't deviate from what is funny about the show. And it worked. I remembered it. But uh, 100, 100 pages. And I keep saying every year the Super Bowl comes around that I'm going to post it all 100 pages or at least try to distill it into like a series of maybe like 10 blog posts over the course of january or maybe the week like the two weeks leading up to super bowl post to do a blog post an excerpt from that thesis and i just never do that's <laughs> so stupid because anyone gives a shit i bet even my teacher wrote i bet my teacher read like five pages and he's like you know what there's a bunch of words there's 100 pages a plus another reason that I think 
graduate school might not be worth it. All right. Uh, oh, I tell you what, though. When I did go to the urgent care center, part of me was like, do I have the coronavirus? Which is like this scary thing that like I still think is, I mean, now that's in the U.S., like there was a case, I guess, in Seattle, and now they're quarantining Americans overseas. They're bringing them back and have them quarantined. And it's like, and now people at work that were have already been sick, and you thought they got it out of their system. They're now getting little coughs here and there. I'm coughing like a little bit here and there, and it's like, oh, the fucking coronavirus, dude. The worst. <clears throat> All right. Um. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to end it there. Nice quick show. Super Bowl. Way way too late. So maybe I'll do another 1 hour episode tomorrow. So that's it. That's all I got. All right. Sorry. Sorry about that. Real Cinch on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube. Facebook Facebook facebook.com/giantmess um, we'll get to the movies, Gemini Man, Parasite, Domiland, Double Tap, next episode. I promise. I got all the notes here, right in front of me. I'm looking at them. I got it. This one was more of a life episode, a Super Bowl episode that came out way too late. So call the hotline, 862-BIT-1986. It is awfully lonely on that hotline. It is not a hotline. It is a very cold line at this point. And, uh... Yeah, hopefully I'll, I'll try and pump out another episode this weekend or Friday. Or, oh, we're going to Great Wolf Lodge on Saturday. Could be fun. Could be... I could get the coronavirus, pretty much. I have water shoes. Oh, my God. Water shoes. Not a great look. The, the baby's going to love it, though. That's for sure. So I'll probably have a story about the Great Wolf Lodge coming at you hot and quick on uh sunday Whew. valentine's day is coming up that's uh, next friday yeah work's about to get very hard because i have someone leaving the company which means i have to pick up the slack and i'm already overutilized all right <laughs> so um i guess you know stay tuned if you're listening still what are you doing share this with a friend say listen to this dickweed talk about his life what an idiot all right so that's all i got i mean i have a lot more but i you know an hour 18 is the sweet spot so i'll cut it i'll, I'll we're gonna close shop tonight maybe we'll pick it up tomorrow the day after stay tuned because i got i got a lot of thoughts i want to get off my chest and um until next episode adios muchachos